everyone. Welcome back to the Before It's Too Late podcast. I'm Brooke. And I'm Maddie. And we're finally back after this long COVID break. Um, We've (laughs) missed doing this very much. And this week we have a couple from my church um, that I love very dearly. We have Jim and Dee Davis. If you guys want to say hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we are going to just get right into it. Yeah. I wanted to ask you guys, um, during this whole, like, quarantine and COVID thing, um, just, like, as a little icebreaker question, what's the weirdest, like, skill or hobby or habit you found yourself, like, developing during this isolation? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, for me, I teach first grade. So, my thing that first came to mind is um, Zoom. (laughs) Learning what Zoom was. I had uh, done Zoom one other time before COVID hit, um, but trying to learn Zoom and, and meet my kids over, mm. you know, the computer screen. And um, the first time that I was able to do that, I literally started crying getting to see them again. So I'm so thankful for that technology. And um, so that's definitely a skill that was, you know, in videoing myself on other apps. And so that's, yeah, yeah. that's probably the skill, one of the skills I learned during this COVID time. Well, I would say that there were two. One was learning how to wear a mask and learning to remember to wear a mask. Yeah. (laughs) Getting out and taking the dog for a walk and going, oh, that person has a mask on. I forgot (laughs) it again. But um, the other thing was Zoom and the inconvenience and the convenience of Zoom. Uh, We we did our meetings, uh, a lot of them over Zoom for quite a while, and we did our Bible studies, you know, and... Mm -hmm. um, just getting used to Zoom, but also inconvenience because you really like to be in face-to-face meetings and things like that. But the convenience of it was the meeting started, we're still at home. Mm-hmm. That 45 minutes is, comes and goes and we're still at home. And yeah. So the gas we saved. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So, yeah. yeah that, My mom and I would, were... That would basically be what I would say. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. My mom and I were talking about the gas, how how we save so much on gas now because of not having to go as many places, and right. it's picking up now. But in yeah. the beginning, it was like, all yeah. right, yeah. saving right. like <laughs> right quite a bit. Never mind saving on laundry. <laughs> I feel like I just wore like the same PJs over right. and over. Right, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so my question is, what is uh, one of your favorite Bible verses? Each of you. Sure, either one of you. Okay. Um, yesterday, I, I don't have a favorite verse that I stick with. Mm-hmm. So the Lord's word is living and powerful and active. And mm-hmm. and so um, yesterday, just rethinking the verse that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then all the humility that is explained in the passage when he left heaven and took on the form of a man and not only that but a servant but the word that in the verse that really I never analyzed the word and thought through it but it says let this mind be in you so therefore I have to think what in me hinders that mindset what is it that I have in the way a roadblock that keeps me from having that kind of mind and the other part of the verse is the fact that 
I could have the mind of Christ, mm-hmm. really? That I can think like Christ? And then, of course, it says, the other verse that says, you know, we have the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. So just dwelling on that uh, lately, it's just, uh, I want to really let that soak in and let that drive me mm-hmm. to what is it that it's not allowing? And, and then the very fact, yeah, I can think like Christ by the Holy Spirit that dwells in me. And that's pretty precious. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, for me, it's in two different places. So I don't have either one like memorized the right way, but mm-hmm. in Colossians and in Ephesians where it says, um, therefore, walk in a manner worthy of the calling. You know, I love that because, you know, the because of all that Christ has done, because I'm reconciled to God by by his grace and only his grace, nothing I've done, no merit of my own, um, now I can walk in a manner worthy of that calling only by his power mm-hmm. and by his grace. So that's, that, I just love, I just love that. So thanks for asking. That's awesome. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah. Those were wonderful answers. <laughs> I'm not sure there is a bad answer to that question. Oh, no, exactly. But exactly. As long as you use the Bible. I suppose there are yeah. bad answers. But <laughs> So, um, would you like to share with us how you came to know Christ? I'd love to. Okay. So, um, when I grew up in a very loving, um, God-fearing home, um, I'm one of seven children. Oh, wow. And, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I'm close to the baby. Not quite. My <laughs> brother is uh, just four years younger than me. Um, so wonderful, wonderful family, wonderful grandparents. And um, my mom and dad loved and feared the Lord. Um, but mom was Presbyterian and dad was Catholic. Mm-hmm. And so um, both of those denominations baptize infants but they knew that faith is an individual decision and um so they didn't baptize any of us as infants it was um, but they did have a rule in the house that if you don't go to church then you don't go outside that day you know it's very important for them to Mm -hmm. that we had that time so um we had our choice whether we could go to with mom or dad and mom uh the presbyterian church always had sunday school so I would go with mom because, you know, go to Sunday school instead of sitting through a mass. So, <laughs> and um, through that growing up, I always heard of the love of God and Jesus loves me and, you know, the hymns and the Bible stories and all of those things. But it wasn't until we moved and I was in seventh grade that our new neighbors invited us to Awana. And it was at Awana, which stands, which is, um, Awana is a program for kids of all ages, like it starts little, mm-hmm. even as cubbies, they're th- three-year-olds, I think, all the way, can go all the way through high school. Um, our church had it through um, eighth grade, but you memorize verses, you hear the gospel, there's um, time, it's called council time, you hear different um, testimonies. Anyway, all of that is where I heard um, for the first time that it needed to be personal, mm-hmm. that, that um Christ died on the cross for me, which I knew he died for my sins. I'd been told that, but that response that I needed, you know, mm-hmm. not just a, yep, Christ died for, for sins, you know, period, but what it meant to me. And so when I was in seventh grade, I committed my um, 
life to the Lord. I, uh, well, accepted Christ as my Savior. And then later in um, college is when I understood more the Lordship aspect of what that meant. Um, being part of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. I went to a, a state university, and so they had different Christian organizations, and one was called InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and grew a lot during that time. And um, the speaker, I remember at camp, used the passage in Isaiah, you know, woe is me, and, you know, here am I, send me, Lord. And so, um, so that's how that became more and more real to me. So... Um, Keep going. Okay, so also <laughs> in university. No, I know. Okay, so also in university, um, heard more about missions. Mm-hmm. Again, my church growing up, we always had mission, minute for missions and everything, but mm-hmm. never really thought about me going to mm-hmm. missions. I was gonna. I was in college to be a teacher, and um, went. One of the things in university is um, the missions coordinator, and they said, you know. Everybody's going to go to Urbana this year, and Urbana is a huge missions conference held at um, University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana in Illinois, obviously, University of Illinois, um, every three years, and it was there that I found out about teaching missionary kids. So um, I committed to going, to because um, with missions, right, you either stay or you go. Mm-hmm. We're all involved. You right, either right. Are, are giving um, and staying and supporting and praying. Um, and praying and you know praying for the missionaries and you know you're a mission you're everywhere we are is a mission field right mm-hmm. right or you go overseas <clears throat> and so um i committed to do that and um uh was excited um but then graduated from high from college with my teaching degree and um contacted Wycliffe bible um, translators and um, i had to teach for two to three years in the states before I could go, because teaching is can be overwhelming, and learning a new culture can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. So the wisdom of doing it in America first before you go anywhere else. So I taught. I was in my third year, getting very comfortable and just loving it there, my little town, my farming community, where the Lord gave me a job and. Um, Loved, loved, loved it. And the principal called me in in January and said, we love the job you're doing, but there's going to be budget cuts. And I'm telling you now, because you're last on the totem pole, you're probably not going to have a job. Um, You need to start looking. So that was the Lord's way of kicking me in the pants, saying, (laughs) you know, you're getting a little too comfortable here. So I looked into different mission agencies and um, went with Wycliffe. Wow. to um, a boarding school in West Africa where wow. I taught fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So that's where I met my wonderful husband and and his um, kids. So I'll let him jump in now, if all that'll right. be all right, and sure. then we can go on from there. I'm not... Yeah, I was born into a Christian family as well. My parents were missionaries um, in on the Amazon River in uh, Peru and Ecuador. <clears throat> Sorry, I get this all the time. No, you're fine. And um, I missed out. I was. They had to come home. It was during the war, World War II, and they were extended on the mission field, kind of they not worry about you, you just stay there. And they got pretty sick with amoebas and yellow jaundice and lost a lot of weight. And Anyway, they weren't able to go back, so they. Um, I missed out, but I was born after... And it, it all, God used that 
because I would love to hear dad's stories about them being on the Amazon River and all the people that they've ministered to and Isaias, one of his boat buddies that traveled with him. Um, and so, that anyway, God uses that later in my life. Um, I, Dad was a pastor in Payette, Idaho, other places as well, but um, I was born in Corvallis and then we moved to Idaho and Dad started a little church in a little town um, and that's where in the starting of that church they brought in a, an evangelist and so they had evangelistic meetings kind of like tent meetings only not in a tent mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, I, I was convicted of the fact that I'm a sinner and I was only five years old so dad said no don't because he dad went and talked to the evangelist and the evangelist said yeah let him come forward because I started crying every time at the end <clears throat> and so he did and the Lord saved me uh, became my Lord and well my Savior and Lord later you know because I didn't even realize what, what I knew that I was saved I'm going to heaven but um, he became Lord of my life <clears throat> and I found that out later somewhere around 12 and it was then that I got baptized but um Fast forward, I got married in 1974, and um, we had three beautiful children, and Vicki was diagnosed with cancer at age 25, <clears throat> and she died in 29, so I became a single dad, and I had taught school in the public schools for quite a while, and I just felt like I wanted to do something full-time for the Lord. What could I do? I have a teaching degree. <clears throat> and um, what can I do with that? I mean, I can't be a pastor, I can't be a missionary, I can't. Be. And then I saw these little pamphlets about teaching MKs overseas and in Africa, and maybe this place called Ivory Coast. And uh, a missionary that our little tiny church supported came every four years to share their her work. Her name was Melba Means, and uh, she had a great influence on me. And uh, some of it was all selfish. It looks like an adventure, you know. <laughs> um, she showed slides of, of the school and the camps that they had and all that. So anyway, um, year, years passed, and... Um, I saw that pamphlet about teaching MKs, so I... Oh, and, an, and MK is a missionary kid. Mm -hmm. So right. it's okay. a child of missionaries that, you know, they have different ways to do schooling there. They can either, you know, be homeschooled, they can go to the national school, mm -hmm. whatever nation they're in, or um, some parents will send their kids to a boarding school so that they have interaction with other kids um, from America and Canada and everything. <clears throat> yeah. So where was I? MKs. But I, I, it was like, I'll just in, investigate. But the, the more the time went by, I thought, I wonder what happened to that card I sent in. And then one morning at 4.30 in the morning, I got a phone call from Chicago, Illinois, at the headquarters of CBFMS. Actually, it was Wheaton. But, and uh, 
they asked, interviewed me and they said, I said, well, I'm a single parent with three children, so you need to know that up front. Oh, that is an issue. We'll, we'll get back to you. Mm. And then it was, I thought it'd be more months, you know. It was like a week later they called and said, we'd love to interview you. And so anyway, I don't need to get that much detail, but um, me and my three kids, fifth, sixth, and ninth grade, went out to Africa. I taught junior high, and uh, but most important, I was there to teach Bible and and honor the Lord. And we we went into the villages uh, on Sundays sometimes for outreach. But um, it was a great environment for my children. But along the way, I met <laughs> this young lady that, uh, when we were, I was a, a single dad for eight years and she was single. <laughs> and, yeah, that's, that's kind of an interesting story because I wasn't really, I had given up looking because I spent s several years looking, I wonder about her, I wonder about her, and then realized, you know what, I'm just going to be the best dad and the best teacher I can be and see, uh, let the Lord take care of the most important things. So um, I had decided that's it, but she came along and I was like, no, for a while. And then she went home after two years, and uh, I thought, I think the Lord needs to hit me with a two by four because I realized she she had feelings for me and I said I didn't have feelings for her. So I had my daughter call her. I'm very brave. <laughs> <laughs> they were a, birth, a Christmas present because she, yes, yes, exactly. she and Dee were really close. And mm -hmm. so I told Trisha she could call Dee. And so she called and anyway, long story short, she said she talked to me. <laughs> so we began to date over the phone and letters, and never having dated before, uh, three thousand miles away. Wow. And uh, wow. in May of that year, that I was ready to come home, I asked her to marry me. Oh. She said yes. <laughs> yeah. So we. Yeah, he started calling. Well, he called for Christmas, like he said, and then we started writing and calling, you know, um, and which was very expensive then because there was mm -hmm. no mm -hmm. international calling or using Skype or right. the internet was just beginning. Like this mm -hmm. was in '93, right? And uh, so Trisha was getting ready to graduate <clears throat> high school, so I flew out with his parents to um, met up with them in New York because they were coming from Idaho. And we went to her graduation, and that's when we, you know, kind of we weren't, I had my mom wait, not mail the invitations, because we weren't sure, for sure. Yeah, and, I was not sure. So. Am I just finally tired of being a single dad, and I just <laughs> want a helpmate? And so she gets to win the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't trust my feelings. Uh, I, I felt like, oh, how is it I always say that? Um, I didn't trust my heart. I'm, I can be very selfish. Mm -hmm. And so am, am I marrying her for the, am I asking her to marry me for the right reasons? Can I love her like I should, like she deserves?
So the Lord solved that as well. I had a dear friend named Dave that uh, taught science and, and uh, I was struggling with my heart and uh, he came into the classroom and began to talk and I, I can't tell you what he said, but there was something about he, what he said that assured me that Dee was the one I wanted to marry and I wanted to marry her for the right reason. I mean, I knew her heart. I had spent two years with her. We had prayer meetings every morning before school started. With the staff. Yeah, and I heard her pray. I knew she loved the Lord, and I figured if she loves the Lord that much, she, the Lord will give her the ability to love me. But most importantly, the Lord will give me the heart to love her. And it was something assured me of that with what Dave and I talked about through that little happenstance meeting uh, as the Lord <laughs> yeah. brought him into my classroom in, in the evening. I, w I happened to go back to my room to do some work and he happened to do the same and so we so the, the hand of God was so definite in that and mm -hmm. I went to Dee and said well, we went out to dinner and I said Dee tell your mom to send those invitations. Mm -hmm. I know that I can love you and I would that love has grown from the moment we uh, said that that day. Right. Yeah, God has been so faithful. And, um, you know, just what Jim was saying, too, about the happenstance or just happened to um, kind of a little bit of background with how I ended up in a, just God's sovereign plan. Because when I was, um, I mentioned how I had moved when I was in seventh grade. And, mm -hmm. um so it was in October, so I didn't even start the year. And anyway, there was this boy that would that threw spitballs at me that first day and just it was just like this horrible experience and you know, he wasn't very kind to me and then when um when if, as a freshman in high school, um I was taking shop. I joined, you know, I signed up for woodworking and shop because I loved it in junior high and he was in the class. And I went to my counselor and I said, is there any way I can get out of this class? And um, he said, well, we've got, um, you know, we've got, you can take Spanish one or French one at this time. And I was like, well, my cousin's taking French and, you know, she's a year ahead of me at another school. I'll take French. So the Lord kept me in French for four years. And as I said, I went to Urbana and heard about teaching missionary kids and I was getting my elementary degree and, and then, um, you know, finding out, you know, all those mission agencies I talked to, and then Wycliffe had an opening in Cote d'Ivoire, which is um, Ivory Coast, West Africa, where the national language is French. Oh, that's So, wow. yeah, yeah, my friend says wow. I should write an article that says, all because of a spitball. <laughs> <laughs> but God's hand in that, just as Jim was saying, you know, there is no happenstance. He he coordinates everything and um, yeah. teaching mm -hmm. fifth grade, which is what I was doing in a French speaking country and all those things. So mm -hmm. um, I praise the Lord for his kindness, because um, without that, you know, I would have never met Jim and his kids and fallen head over heels and, and so cherished um, and so cared for and um, pointed to Christ all the time. Jim is an excellent shepherd of my heart and I am so very grateful for that. So, um, yeah, all because of a spitball. So. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah. So, so, um, so more recent times, yeah. I don't know, um, uh, 
So we were married, taught for five years in Oregon, came down here for Jim to pursue his master's degree in biblical counseling at the mm -hmm. master's um, college then, now university. Um, and so uh, Jim was so faithful. God was so kind and strengthened him t at 50 to do this incredibly difficult program in one year. He completed wow. all the classwork wow. in one year. That's wow. impressive because that's yeah. a labor-intensive program. Yeah, very mm -hmm. labor-intensive. By and, God's uh, grace. Yeah, yeah, by God's grace. And Dr. Mack was very um, intense with homework and um, papers. And it was such a joy to watch him study and um, memorize scripture. And, um, and the Lord has used him for biblical counseling mm -hmm. since then. And we're so grateful. But then we... Um, it was interesting. We came down here for one year. That was our plan. We're coming for one year. My parents were still alive in Idaho. I had planned to return to Idaho, even from Africa, but that's another story, how we ended up in Oregon and then how in, in Oregon uh, I was the vice principal and doing a lot of counseling, not having any clue what I was doing, but trying to just go by my own wisdom, and that was pretty lacking. So... Um, I said, I, I want to go talk to the pastor. I said, I want to learn about biblical counseling. Where would you send, where would you advise me to go? And he said, the master's college. Mm -hmm. So we came down for one year, and that's why I pursued it for one year. Didn't work <clears throat> hardly at all. And uh, got that completed, and the Lord makes our plans according work according to his will not my will and so every year for a while we didn't put roots down because we're leaving yeah that's our plan we're leaving and finally after about four years five years of this floating and not really getting involved like we should have um I, we had a little family meeting and said okay the lord has us here until he moves us we're here well now this is 21 years later 22 22. <laughs> wow. So, Funny yeah. how that happens. Right, right. <laughs> so we're thankful that God knows best and that he loves us so. You know, that yeah. loving kindness, that Hesed love that he has for us, that he He directs and he, you know, he knows what, what we need. And um, so, yeah. Uh, it's, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, it's okay. okay. I was just going to say, you know, those are things that happened, you know, in the past, the more recent you know, and we see God's kindness and direction every day. Um, but uh, last year um, in, uh, well, April, I guess, Feb April, I think, um, and then May, I was diagnosed, I had ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. And I had a, um, a tumor. Um, it was 17, 17 to 20 centimeters big, not millimeters, but centimeters. Wow. And um, I didn't even know, you know, I didn't even know. And um, by, again, God's kindness and grace, my annual checkup, the doctor just didn't like the liver enzyme numbers. Said, mm -hmm. go, go get them again. I was like, okay, I don't know what that's about. Never thought anything of it. So I put it off because it was, you know, busy time at school. And, okay, yeah, I better go. So I went again, and she said, they're still high. I'm going to send you for an ultrasound. So I went for the ultrasound, and the technician was very thorough and was taking a very long time. <laughs> and I thought, something's going on. And the doctor called and said, you've got, you know, a 17-centimeter mass in there. Wow. We need to get you into a CT scan. And, and then from there, we went 
and again, God's kindness, because after the CT scan, I um, had a trip planned to go back home to Illinois to see family, and I was able to tell my siblings face-to-face. Mm-hmm. They found this, you know, this growth, and I had the CT scan right away, and um, and then while I was there, when we got the call that um, I had cancer, and um, she God, was in the airport again. The surgeon, you know, the whole way that God worked, you know, the surgeon wasn't available, and then an opening came. Anyway, the surgeon said, you know, we got to get that out of there. And so by June first, you know, the CT scan was May, early May, June first. We had the surgery. I had the surgery, and um, just cannot um, emphasize enough. Um, I keep telling people that I just felt lavished upon. God's love was just lavished on me. Um, There were more than 20 people in the waiting room the day of my surgery, people that came at 5 in the morning um, to pray with me, Dr. Hughes and Pastor David and Kim and um, friends, Jana and Kim came and I just, you know, they came and prayed and, um, and then just stayed. And the surgery was like five and a half hours long and and people from work came. I mean, just all these people that loved me and then, then loved on us through meals and the church family brought um, meals and our other church, you know, from where we were before brought meals and just my school, you know, they did things and um, just amazing. A friend, my one of my best friends from Canada flew in to be with me for a week and she cooked and baked. And, and she was met, I mean, they became dear friends in Cote d'Ivoire, in, yeah. at the school. Oh, right, wow. right. The first day, we you know rode up together in a vehicle up to the school and became fast friends. And then my other good friend, best friend in high school, she flew out from Illinois and she stayed for a week and uh, just yeah, and just mm-hmm. God's faithfulness through the chemo and um, losing my hair. And I, there's I don't know if you guys can see the picture on the calendar over there, but. Jim shaved my hair for me, and um, it was just a fun thing. And, and shaved um, mine too. She shaved yep, mine. Yep. And I, and, uh, we were twins. And, uh, <laughs> and that's see, I had just had cancer the year and a half before that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, it's just the Lord uses all that for His glory, and mm-hmm. we pray that for His good, my, our good, and but the good of others as well. And uh, when I when we came out of the oncologist office for me, um, the first time. I was sad because I was concerned about Jim because he had already gone through it with his wife, Vicki, you know, and I said, honey, I'm so sorry. And he said, who better than me? You know, I know, and I know that there's life after, you know, so it was so encouraging to me, even then, you know, that his eyes were on the Lord and what, whatever God had for us, that's what was good and best. And, um, and again, just God's faithfulness and provision through the chemo and, um, you know, the, the church family, just the church women, the women's ministry team bringing, had a hat party for me and they all came with hats and scarves and it was just, and my friend in Colorado who had battled cancer, she sent me a bunch of her scarves and I don't know, it just is, um, you know, people often get afraid even when they hear the word cancer or there's just this huge, like, Oh, no, you know, but I just want people to know that God uses all things and things that you think are the hardest thing and you won't be able to um, go through it. 
the Lord brings you through and the Lord brings people alongside you to encourage believers and non-believers. I mean, there were incredibly generous people from work who don't know the Lord, but um, know and love me. And uh, mm-hmm. God used them because God uses everybody, right? Mm-hmm. And he used them to encourage my heart so much. And um, so he has been so faithful. So it's been a year. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, God just is so kind. It's just a... We all know the verse, Romans 8, 28, for God, for we know that God causes all things, and, and we read right over that pretty fast. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. But emphasize all, all things, mm-hmm. and that's what's so glorious about the Lord. And it, it's a reminder, too, that this world is passing away, but there's salvation in eternity in heaven with those who trust the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this it is, um, it's by the grace of God that we can smile even at cancer. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that this is no surprise to him, right. he, he, all our days are what? Yeah, <laughs> Written in a book. Yeah, right. Before there was ever one of them. And so uh, they're all in his hands. I remember the surgeon asking me, how are you doing? For his surgery. Like when mm-hmm. he, you know, found out about yeah. his colon you cancer. Know, he, he was a great guy. Um, but he wanted to know how I was doing, how, how you handling this. And I said, I mean, it just, the words just came. I'm in the Lord's hands. Mm-hmm. And so that's true of everybody who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ, for their salvation, we're in the Lord's hands, and there's no better place. Right, right. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> well, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. That was really, I'm, I'm pretty sure I got the chills at one I point. I did. I got a little emotional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was well, a breeze. Yeah. <laughs> it was a nice, delightful breeze. But yeah, it is, it is emotional to, you know, God's just been through this, reminding me again and again of his, I already said it once, but that Hesed love, that loving mm-hmm. kindness that just, he pours out, mm-hmm. you know, and we can see it every day right. if, if you know, we're humble and we, we are in tune to what he's doing. Just, I know people joke about parking lot spots, you know, but <laughs> I mean, those little things, yeah. but those big things too, that he loves us individually. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, cares for us and intimately. He knows what we need. He knows, he knew I needed French to get me to Africa. You know what I mean? So he put that, you know what I mean? He put that kid that, Mm -hmm. you know, I would say was rotten, but you know, God used him. And so, wow. Bonjour, Monsieurs. (laughs) (laughs) We had a friend that, that's off, right? No, it's on. We had a dear friend that I can't. I went out there not speaking French. In fact, for the first rep time at a restaurant, I, I, um, I said, uh, "Aki," and and I, I couldn't think of the French word, so I came up with my what I'm, knowledge of Spanish. So I didn't have the blessing of French, but it was fun to learn it. But my friend, he didn't really bother to learn French. So he would say things like bonjour, monsieurs, 
<laughs> he was being he was being funny too. Okay. Well, he's serious funny too, though. I thought he was being funny, and then I kind of watched it and went, "I think he thinks he's speaking French." <laughs> Bone jerk. Oh man. <laughs> um, did you have any questions, Maddie? To I ask them. I have a couple questions, and we can take turns go back and forth. I want to touch on um, you. You both mentioned um, in your process of being saved. You marked a point where Christ became your Savior, and then you marked a point where Christ became your Lord. And um, for those who maybe don't understand like what that looks like, what's the difference? Is there a difference? How does that look? I think, you, so there's no confusion. He was my Lord when I, when I was led by His Holy Spirit and drawn to Him right. to trust Him as my Savior. He was my Lord. The problem was that I just didn't realize that obedience and trusting God and knowing what God demands of me mm-hmm. as his child um, and that my my world is not, this world is not my own. My life is not my own. My life belongs to him. Mm-hmm. And it took me a while to, to get um, that through my thick skull. And in fact, it was really probably if i if i really went back and analyzed it it was probably after i got married and had that first child and realized what a responsibility i have to, and and to love my wife as christ loved the church but to raise up my children in the nurture and admonition of the lord and i needed help and so i it helped grow me and draw me mm-hmm. to the realization that i I'm I'm living life with fire insurance. I'm going to heaven, not going to hell, because I said, ask Jesus into my heart, but that's not the way it is. He's, he's my Lord and Savior, and Lord first. And so. Yeah, I think, same thing. I think for me, in the beginning, it was that, um, you know, a decision that needed to be made, a personal decision that I was going to follow Christ. Um, you know, so it was very... Um, self-centered you know I mean I like I said I'd heard of God's love all my you know all my life and um but I think the the sovereignty his lordship you know understanding what that meant for me you know like to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that it's um if I'm gonna if I'm gonna say I'm a a believer a Christ follower then I need to follow Christ I mean that makes sense but it you know then it was like oh so um just understanding that more that it's you know like Jim already said committing myself to what he wants and he's he's a good God so therefore it drives us to the word right and because uh, I can't follow a God that I don't know what God wants me to do if I'm not in the word what mm-hmm. a foolish um, effort it's all worthless until I know and begin to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> very good answers <laughs> yeah <laughs> um i um wanted to ask um what are some verses or songs or books um that helped you with your battles with cancer because i can't imagine that would be easy in the beginning at least um why don't just things I, that encouraged you i guess i think um 
honestly, for me, um, it was all what the Lord had done beforehand. Right. Seeing him faithful mm-hmm. over and over again. Mm-hmm. And watching friends battle ovarian cancer, battle breast cancer in a way that honored the Lord. Mm-hmm. They were very honest with their how they were feeling, their, you know, uh, physically, and their... They're wondering what God was doing, what it was he up to, and just seeing that they were so faithful. Um, so uh, I think the books and the songs that helped me and the verses were because of what I had already done before, what I had read before. There wasn't anything that I, by God's grace, he strengthened me to continue to work. Right. And by God's kindness, he kept me well. I mean, everybody was like, even the oncologist, I don't know about you teaching first grade. Mm-hmm. Um, that's up to you, however you're feeling. But you know, little kids, they're not always careful. But God, right. he allowed me to not get a single cold, let mm-hmm. alone the flu that went through my class. So, wow. Um, wow. you know, I, but again, so there wasn't really a lot of time to read. Right. You know, but, um, you know, books that have impacted my life for Christ and my walk. Um, Loving God with All Your Mind, Elizabeth mm-hmm. George. Made in His Image, um, Jim, Jim Berg. Changed, no, Changed into His Image, not Made. Changed into His Image by Jim Berg. Um, uh, uh, what's the other one? Anyways, there's just, uh, my mind's gone blank. Um, oh, the um, Gospel Primer. Oh, or yeah. primer, or however you want to say it, by yeah. um, Vincent Milton. Mil- Milton Vincent. Um, and then just, you know, God's kindness of Bible studies that we had done, you know, and going through Romans 8 mm-hmm. as I'm going through this, you know, Kim Cummings, our, our teacher, our pastor's wife, and just, I wasn't able to attend because I needed to be careful, but I was listening and doing the lessons and, you know, um, and, and that as well. And, you know, songs just minister to me. So, I mean, uh, they bring back memories. They bring back God's faithfulness. You know, that um, I have a maker, and he knows my name, you know. It's, my name is written in his hands. Um, mighty to save. You know, I mean, songs about heaven. You know, because yeah. it, wasn't, it wasn't a dreadful... You know, I wasn't sure what the cancer was going to do physically, like how I would feel mm-hmm. physically, mm-hmm. but I, I I know the hope of heaven. I right. have no doubt of that. So um, all those things. And then, I don't know, for Jim, I talked a lot. I'm sorry in answering that. But, <laughs> no, um, no, don't be. Yeah, I mean, the Bible. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't find the verse, of course, and I've lost it. I had it memorized, and I can't find it in my brain. But um, the God of hope fill you with hope and faith and believing, and and that He would bring you peace. I'm really messing this verse up, but um, it's the hope we have. That's what the verse. It's in Romans 13. Um, but that was my verse as I went through my cancer and the chemo. I had ten treatments over uh, two weeks apart, each one. Except for a couple that had to get skipped because and he wore a he wore a pump. So for two days after the chemo infusion, mm-hmm. he was getting still pumped chemo in. So it was wow. much much more intense than mine. Mm-hmm. 
but the the real reality the the word hope isn't like I hope so. Right. It's the reality of the assurance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things mm-hmm. not yet seen. Um, I don't know what God's going to do, but He mm-hmm. knows, and it's in His hand, and it's always good. God is good, and yeah. and so hope and peace and faith are really. <laughs> Sorry, bread, the bread maker. The, the bread it's okay. Is done. <laughs> so anyway, that that's where my assurance lied and laid, lied, was. Continues <laughs> and it continues. Yeah. There. Yeah. Well, and knowing God, that's that was a, that's been a good oh, one yeah. for us to. Yeah, Jenna just told me about that one today. Yeah. Knowing God, and I've heard of it before. Mm-hmm. Heard it's really really good. It is. Mm-hmm. I look forward to reading that in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Can I follow up? I don't don't, want to make you think that it was just all fun and games and joy. There were times when when I was feeling so lousy through the chemo and struggling with, uh, I remember the steroids that they gave me just wired me. Mm -hmm. I couldn't lay down. I couldn't Mm -hmm. stand up. I was weary. I was tired. I wanted to sleep. And it, it went on for probably three or four hours one day right early on because they're they're practicing medicine with me as they do everybody mm-hmm. and everybody reacts differently to the prednisone or to whatever steroid or whatever chemo mm-hmm. and so I, you know that was just they cut the steroids back and I didn't have that problem anymore but I remember that day was uh, a struggle I, you know I just crying out to the Lord, but I had the Lord to cry out to. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I just want to follow up with um, a question. I think particularly right now with current events and mm. with quarantine, I think a lot of people are feeling very discouraged. Believers and unbelievers, everyone is feeling some level of discouraged and um, it's easy to feel hopeless. And so just uh, based on your experience, um, how would you encourage people who are feeling hopeless? I mean, you've already touched on this a lot, but um, anything specific that has to do with world events, and then um, maybe to tag on to that, uh, maybe a little bit about like biblical counseling and what that looks like. Okay. I, I think um, I'll go first. Um, I think to encourage, I would tell people the the verse in Philippians, you know, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, if there's any excellence or things that are praiseworthy, think on these things. Mm -hmm. You know, we need, for me, you know, the other verse about take every thought captive under the submission of Christ. That's very important for me because what I'm thinking about is going to direct my actions and my feelings. And if I'm focused on the chaos, the concern, the unknowns, um, there's a lot of things that um, aren't, aren't known. So if it's not known, it's not necessarily false, but it's not true, it's not truth. You know, I, I, I can't, you know, wonder what somebody may be meant by that. I have to, you know, go on what's truth. And so for me, that's, that's one thing I would encourage people to do, um, as well as if they, it, for me, it's music. And it is scripture. So, you know, um, staying in the word and staying, you're, you know, you're 
your attitude of worship, you know, is a constant thing. Right. And then I had my thought. Oh yeah, God. As we look at the events, they're they're tough. They're tough to see, and the why question wants to come up, but um, the the what question is a better uh, thing to pursue. Is what does the Lord want to accomplish through this, mm -hmm. and and how the hopelessness that m may strike people as they look at the events going on and. Um, God's in control, and I know that's a cliche, almost a cliche. He does work everything for good, but He's the God of history, and the history that we're we're living it every day. But God already knows the end from the beginning, and we also know that God is good. And whatever happens, God is working it. And and the, I think the key word that I always try to emphasize, even in counseling, is God is at work. God's not sitting back wondering what to do and trying to make up decisions. He, he's at work, and he's working all things for good and and for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, of course. But, um, yeah. I think the hope for those that don't know God and that haven't understood that Christ came to pay the price for my sin, for our sin, now we're all sinners before a holy God. None of us can do enough. Um, I think the hope for the unbeliever is that, you know, there's not hope in this world. The hope is in God. And to, so to pursue that, um, there's somebody you know that knows and loves Jesus. And to ask them about the hope that's within them, right? And we, as believers, are to be ready to give an answer for that hope that is within us. And that hope is Christ. Um, and that... Is, is what Jim does when he biblically counsels, too. The hope is Christ. And so... Um, yeah, the, the thing that I love about biblical counseling is just, it's so powerful, and it's effective, and it's up-to-date. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whatever the problem is, because in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, I think it is, it says, God has given us everything we need for life and godliness and so he has already provided the roadmap for marriage for issues with <laughs> family issues marriage loss of job whatever um, when I counsel the reason I love it so much is because it's not my counsel I don't have to come up with the ideas. I, God already did. He gave us everything we need for life and godliness okay. through the true knowledge of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so um, when, I, when I counsel, I use this Bible. Um, if it's a marriage thing, we go to Ephesians 5 or we go to Genesis chapter 3, mm -hmm. uh, chapter 2 and 3, where God, God man, man didn't invent marriage. God did. God, it's God's institution, and he didn't just say, here, go get married. He, he gave roles and responsibilities and commandments, and then it, we will find, if we're willing to obey and trust him for the outcome, it works. It works, because it's God's word. 
think that's a theme I'm seeing is God's word and God's plans work. You just have mm-hmm. to trust God's yeah. plans and just wait on him because it often takes a very different course than we expect it to. Right. Yeah, yeah Maddie, that's very true. Yeah. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. Mm, that's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. But we must believe that he is and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I left that a part of that verse, but yeah, faith is important. I mean, you you said it. Mm-hmm. Not by sight. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <Right. clears throat> um, I have a uh, question. Um, what did you attend a church in? Did each of you attend a church in Africa? And was it hard to oh. find a church in Africa? That's an excellent question. Yeah, okay, I so where we where we were at was a boarding school called International Christian Academy. Okay. So at this boarding school, it was like a little America. I mean, there um, most of the kids were from America, but there were some from Australia, New Zealand, Canada, mm-hmm. and it was a compound. And some Africans a, too. Yeah, and some Africans came. You know, day students that would come. Um, but the kids that it was just this little community Um, and so the school was there they slept there the dining hall was there the nurses station was there and the church was there Mm -hmm. so we had um, the uh, the dorms um, the dorm dads would take turns preaching on Sundays and um, they would and also other other men yeah the director administrative yeah um, and uh, the principal anyway and so that everybody attended church and they had Sunday school, you know, so you taught the adults took, you know, the adults taught the Sunday school for the kids. And um, I don't know if there was adult Sunday school. I was always teaching kids, so I don't know what the adults well, we had did Friday, for Sunday What school. was the Friday thing? And we had... Um, we'd get we had, together. We'd have a group. We had care groups and um, we would get together on Fridays to like get to know the kids more and, you know, because their parents aren't there. So you're trying to, you know come alongside but that's what we did for church okay and um, we also had Sunday night services and so sometimes they'd have guest speakers we'd have evangelism week where they would fly somebody in um, and would uh, and then they also had mission conference that we could attend and they flew someone in so they you know were uh, excellent teachers and speakers and um, you know Sunday nights were always especially meaningful because there would be skits and great music and uh um, Jewel and Evan Evans and um, Brad and Laura Trozen, they um, had these great songs and uh, we still sing them today and they even did a Zoom meeting with people from all over the world a couple, a few weeks back. Student, and they, former students yeah, and staff. Oh, yeah. That's and, uh, neat. It was neat and we did the, they called it Sing and Wail and we did the Sing and Wail song. <laughs> it, was, it was very fun. So um, that's what we did for church. So we did, okay. but we did, like Jim said, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm sorry. Right. We did on Sundays go on outreach into a village close by. That mm-hmm. we would just get on the bus, and it was close, and did some medical things. And a, one of the students would speak, tell a Bible story, and would get interpreted if they needed it to. And mm-hmm. would wow. place the kids would play soccer with them, and um, yeah, it was that's a really it was neat. a really neat time. It was a really oh, wow. neat time. That was our church. Is that program that you did still up and running? Is that like still a program that the 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 school? The school oh, sorry, the school. Yeah, the school. Unfortunately, um, the boarding school there was a civil war, 
and uh, back in 95, 94. Anyway, the, I mean, there was even bullets, like the, they were in the dining hall eating at the time and bullets were going through. They all had to hunker oh, down. Wow. They had to get evacuated by the French army. Wow. Um, it was really bad, really serious. Um, and then they tried, uh, like once like they settled down, yeah, they went back, but then it um, wasn't safe again. And so um, okay. right now the school is being used for training for missionaries oh, wow. and for something else that I can't remember. But anyway, but there are other boarding schools. Yes, some a lot of the staff went to a place um, in uh, Dakar. Dakar, what? Dakar, yeah. Dakar um, in Senegal. And um, others went to um, Niger, right? Maybe I know they went yeah. up north and. So um, so yes, and there's yeah, Black okay. Forest Academy is another international school. There's some in. Um, the school had been established in 1963, and it had functioned quite well for all those years. And wow. Cote d'Ivoire was one of the most peaceful countries in West Africa, mm. um, but this invading rebels decided to change that yeah and kids came in from all over west africa you know all countries all over so they would fly in you know so you had that's why they stayed there because they were from their parents were ministering far away so their breaks were bigger like at Mm -hmm. um you know their our winter christmas break was a month long and our spring break was three weeks long but Mm -hmm. i mean you went to school every day like there was no labor day no we even went to school on thanksgiving you know, oh wow! Um, yeah, so she doesn't mind that at all. Can you tell? Me? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Being from Illinois, we had a month, a day off every month or something or other. So, anyways, but wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, mm-hmm. wow. I just wanted to ask because I have a few friends that I know want to go into missions, so yeah. I'm sure they'd yeah. be interested in knowing that. Yeah, definitely, and then they point us, point them our way. I mean, we have. Um, there's great mission organizations that you know people can go with for whatever their bent is you know i mean god uses all of us you know in all different ways so right well thank you yeah thank you so much oh did you have any other questions sorry (laughs) um probably my last question and uh i'll try to make it quick uh for believers who are considering the mission field um, like, what would you say as an encouragement? Kind of like Brooke was saying, she has friends who are considering. I know I have friends who are looking into that. Don't I would tell them, what are you doing now? Mm-hmm. How are you involved in, in ministry at your local church? And in what ways have you demonstrated and experienced ministry? Mm-hmm. Because mission field is ministry. and. Mm-hmm. They, they, yeah, and yeah. that's yeah, what I would say. They, um, I remember being told um, an ocean trip because you know how we used, they used to have to go over in a boat, whatever. But mm-hmm. it, you know, an ocean trip does not a missionary make. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, what you're doing, like Jim's saying, you know, serving here now. I would encourage them um, to talk to others and um, to not be afraid. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes. Well, at least for me, it was easy to get very comfortable in what I was doing. I loved, I loved, loved, loved that first school where I taught. I loved my fifth graders. I loved the staff. I loved the little town. It was mm-hmm. like, this is good, God. I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being a light for you, Jesus, which I hope I was. Mm-hmm. But he had already told me. He had already given me that desire to go. And so to follow through on that, um, 
you know, there's, I would just encourage them to seek, um, you know, counsel. They want, definitely want to be supported, yeah. um, you know, through prayer and the love. My, again, my family is amazing, you know, and my friends, they just totally supported me. They didn't always understand what I, why I wanted to go. And it was really hard for my mom because again, back then there wasn't internet, you know, mm -hmm. the phone service was very expensive and right. not, um, reliable you know right. so but yeah I would just encourage them to go but like Jim said check your heart and make yeah. sure you're know why you want to go right. as much as possible and there may not be a definitive answer but there will be some reasons what has led you this to this point uh, even considering missions yeah and it's not you know it's not a bed of roses just like life here isn't a bed of roses <laughs> I mean it's you know it's hard Right. Um, yeah. But it's it's a good heart. Mm. And then after they've considered those things and got involved locally in their local church, you know, then explore mission trips, some long, longer than just a weekend. Right. You know, a month at least, right? So I I I had never gone on one, but I mean, but I think if there's a, a availability to go right. I think it's a good idea to get um, that experience and um, lots of different mission agencies you can check out as well mm -hmm. and hopefully they're gonna you know the Lord led me to Wycliffe which had a great training program for me you know I was you know two weeks I was getting trained for what it would be like mm -hmm. to be overseas and you know um, that was very helpful to not have I mean your culture shock because things are different you know, but at least I knew I wasn't going crazy. There was a reason why I was feeling things. Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm -hmm. and for coming home, the reverse culture shock can be worse because yeah. you've oh, been, yeah. you know, in a place that is so different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. We enjoyed it. Yeah, <laughs> we really appreciate it. It's yeah. fun to s share things like this when you understand from the beginning that it wasn't you it was mm -hmm. the lord and, mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. amen god's grace is so evident yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. well we'll awesome. yeah we'll see you next time on the next episode mm -hmm. or you'll hear us I, I don't know i never know what to say in these outros <laughs> that's good if what you've heard on this podcast is foreign to you or maybe doesn't make sense we deeply encourage you to Google the website heartcrymissionary.com slash gospel and click on the first link. Uh, we love you and we're praying for you and thank you so much for listening.